Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the chart spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, joined by Ben McKee from his uh, his unnamed home studio there across town. We got a game day edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We are recording this, obviously, in Knoxville. By the time you hear it, uh, we will be in the Yellowhammer State. We will be preparing to cover Tennessee against Alabama, the 11th-ranked Tide, hosting the 17th-ranked Volunteers, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, on Saturday, on CBS, the greatest network, of course, that has ever existed and just will ever exist. We got a lot to talk about in this episode. We're really excited about it. We're joined, and we already recorded this part of it. So in the second segment, we're going to be joined by our new friend, but our good friend, Cody Goodwin, who covers Alabama for Bama 24-7, a part of that new crew they've assembled down there. Those guys do an excellent job covering Alabama. Uh, it's We're really looking forward to working with those guys, and Cody uh, is a guy who's from Iowa, uh, or from he's from uh, Kansas City, from Missouri. Grew up a Mizzou fan, then covered uh, Iowa uh, athletics. We lived in Iowa for ten years, and now covers Alabama. So a guy who, in a way, Ben, it's like he left the Big Ten West, and the Big Ten West followed him because uh, the way Tennessee and Alabama have been playing the past couple weeks, this this could be a Big Ten West kind of rock fight in, in this game on uh, on Saturday. So before that, Ben, how you doing, man? I am doing wonderful. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. I've uh, been battling a headache today, one of those days, you know, where you're just like, my head's killing me today. Just one of those things. Um, but uh, my brain sucks and has for the past 10 years at least, so or eight years. So uh, sometimes these days just happen. But powering through it, feeling pretty good. Uh, I'm excited about covering this game too uh, because you don't know. Uh, we know Tennessee and Alabama are playing this season uh, in uh, Tuscaloosa. We know they're playing next season in Knoxville. Beyond that, we don't know. Uh, the SEC has not uh, decided what it wants to do with all of that, uh, the, with the scheduling. They, the, the coaches want to keep playing eight games instead of nine, and right now it looks like the most popular format they've discussed is kind of the one permanent and seven rotating. That way you could get to, you know, you could kind of flip it every two years so you play everybody in the league throughout the course of a four-year career. Sounds nice on paper, and there's some benefits to that for fairness and all those kinds of things. But it might come at the cost of uh, removing the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry as an annual thing, which other than only World War II has stopped since the 20s. So uh, it, it's disappointing. We've covered that on a previous podcast episode this week. 
But my the only reason I'm rehashing that, Ben, is because I hope we enjoy these moments. Like, we don't know if they're guaranteed going forward. We know we have them right now, so let's enjoy it. Yeah, no doubt about that. And and like you just mentioned, we talked about it at length on the Thursday podcast, but uh, point remains the same that th- these are th- these are the games why we we love SEC football. It, it's why Tennessee fans uh, part of the reason they love Tennessee football because they grew up watching this game every single October. Uh, it, it's one of the best games in college football. Uh, the, these games are, are what make college football so great and SEC football so great and, and why so many of us love SEC football. So uh, the, these games are, are really, really special. They only happen one time a year. And like you mentioned, who knows if, if they're going to continue to happen one time of year. So I'm very excited for Saturday. I it, It's kind of like a, a, a homecoming for me, but but also not really. My, my family is from Tennessee, but I, I'm a – military brat and uh, by the time i was in high school my dad was stationed at the redstone arsenal there in huntsville alabama so i graduated high school from huntsville uh in huntsville uh, and then i went to community college in huntsville as well before i transferred up to ut knoxville and uh so i i have a ton of friends that that went to alabama and uh, a ton of friends that are alabama fans that that i will see prior to the game on, on saturday uh, tailgating and, and whatnot before I walk into the stadium. So uh, excited to to see some of my friends and, and then uh, cover a good football game because I think this is going to maybe be an ugly football game at times, but I, I do think it'll be a, a good football game. Yeah, you know, I grew up watching this game, uh, being from this state, just – there's a feeling that I get covering this game. Like, I feel like I'm always blessed to have this job. And I think most of us 90 plus percent of the time feel like we're blessed to have these jobs, but I get a feeling kind of walking to the stadium, whether it's Brian Denny, whether it's Neyland, I get a a feeling on Saturday before the Tennessee Alabama game, really unlike any other feeling that I get at any other point in the year, even, you know, big bowl games, other games, you know, the Georgias and the, you know, the Floridas and the other big games. I, there's a feel like a reverence that I have for this rivalry, for for this old school kind of SEC in a world where things are changing all the time. This is kind of a reminder that you know this stuff is old. It's been around for a long time, and there's a a feeling between these fan bases of a certain age where it's like a respect, but also a hatred at the same time. It's like a classy hatred, and I think during the whole Fulmer era. And, and the whole thing with Logan Young and all that stuff, like it kind of got really nasty there for a while and maybe it hasn't recovered from that. But I just, I think of like, you know, like like older people who went to Tennessee or Alabama or they're just fans of one, like having a lot of respect for like the other side, but also hating them at the same time. And you just feel like it's the kind of game where these dudes have been going to the same game for 50 or 60 years and it just kind of gives you that feeling. Like you see that crimson and that orange on the field at the same time. I mean, I get nostalgic about it. Like I do, I get more excited about this game than any other game. And that's despite, you know, for, for what a dozen years, knowing exactly what was going to happen when the ball kicked off, you knew exactly what was going to happen. Alabama at some point was going to kick the hell out of Tennessee. Was it going to happen in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter? You didn't know, but you knew at some point, Bama was probably going to kick the hell out of Tennessee. And now these, this thing has maybe come back to where it has been historically, where it can be streaky, but the teams are roughly comparable to each other. And they're both top 20 teams. They're both right there in the fight very much. I, I, I'm super excited 
about this game. I know that it might not be aesthetically pleasing, um, and we don't really know what's going to happen in, in this game, Ben, when the ball kicks off. I, I, I don't have a great feeling for it, but it, it just feels like this game for a second year in a row really, really matters, and that is awesome. Yes, it, it absolutely is. I mean, so much of why we love college football is because of the tradition and pageantry and th- this game just exudes tradition and, and pageantry. And uh, uh, we talked about this on the, the Thursday podcast. I, I guess technically we, we made this point before we press record, but so much of, of what rivalries are, at least in my opinion, and I do feel like I'm kind of out here on my own with, with this take at, at times, uh, because a lot of people will tell you that the best rivalries it, it's it's back and po- back and forth. There's some parity. One team doesn't dominate it. Uh, both teams need to win in order for it to be a true rivalry. And, and I I disagree with that notion. I, I I think those things are important. I think you need both teams in the rivalry to to win to make it uh, a very entertaining rivalry. But for me, a, a rivalry stems from from just simple hate, and that that that's to me what what makes a rivalry. Uh, all all the best rivalries in, in sports. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, uh, Yankees, Red Sox, uh, my Steelers and, and the Ravens or, or 49ers, Cowboys, whatever, Eagles, Cowboys, like it all stems from hate. And there there's hate on both sides of of this game. Uh, Alabama fans hate Tennessee fans and Tennessee fans hate Alabama fans. And uh, all you need to know about this game is is that there are I just mentioned Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl uh, as being one of the greatest rivalries, not in just college football, but in all of sports. And there are Alabama fans, despite that, that hate Tennessee more than they hate Auburn. And Cody Goodwin, he he mentioned that on the on the podcast during his interview. And, and again, as somebody who lived in Alabama for quite a bit of time, like I, I can speak to that. And, and it's not a handful of people. Like there there are several people, <laughs> plenty of people who dislike Tennessee more than they dislike. Auburn and on the flip side of that Tennessee seemingly has four to five rivals if you want to include uh, Kentucky and Vanderbilt in football obviously those two games aren't as big as Georgia Florida Alabama but but Tennessee does have a a nice list of of rivals and for a lot of people especially the old heads and not that there's anything wrong with that Alabama's at the top of the list and I think when you factor that in with, with Alabama fans hating Tennessee uh, more than Auburn, I think that tells you all you need to know about this football game. I do think there are, there's probably uh, not a small number, but I'm thinking of kids, not kids, young adults. I think people between the ages of like 15 and 30, probably for a lot of their Alabama fandom, wondered why older Alabama fans hated Tennessee as much as they did. Because for years, I mean, they, they were, you know, LSU's the threat. You know, Auburn pops up every couple of years as a threat. You know, Georgia obviously became a, a really big threat. So they were probably more focused on those games. And they're like, why do y'all talk about Tennessee so much? Why do y'all talk about Tennessee so much? And I think a lot of those people last year s- sort of saw why the older people hate Tennessee the way that they do. Because when, they, when you lose that game and those cigars are smoked at your expense – it becomes more personal, more intimate to a lot of people because that's the first time they had really had Tennessee extract blood from them. And I think the rivalry 
desperately needed that. Uh, it just it had to have it because it 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 it, it was teetering on a point there where unless you were of a certain age, it, it, it's a lot of people, you know, I would talk to some people about how much this game meant and there'd be people, especially from Alabama, be like younger people be like, does it, I don't even really think about Tennessee all that much. But then I'm like, okay, go talk to your parents, go talk to your uncles, go talk to your, your mom, your dad, your, your older siblings, you know, people at the, you know, family reunion or church, go talk to them and ask them and you'll understand why. Uh, and I think Tennessee getting, that win, especially in in what may have been the game of the year, uh, it's just an unbelievable instant classic. Um, just fan, and, and and if either team had won the game, it would have been a fantastic game. Uh, it just so happened that it was Tennessee that won it and was able to kind of put a put a put a stop to that embarrassing streak. And I think now it's a lot more personal for a lot of Alabama fans. I imagine Ben, your your age, the the Alabama fans that you know that are that are your age. I got to think some of them, it started to mean a little bit more after that game. 1,000%. And, and the reason for that is because of what Hendon Hooker was able to do in that football game, uh, what Jalen Hyatt did in that football game, scoring five touchdowns. He, he will obviously always be remembered uh, for, for scoring five touchdowns in that football game. Uh, and, and Tennessee's going to have to have some guys step up in, in a similar fashion in this game on Saturday if, if Tennessee – uh, wants to win. They they don't have to score five touchdowns. Uh, a Tennessee receiver does not. Squirrel White, uh, if Dante Thornton's able to get in there after his hamstring injury that he's been hampered by, uh, if Ramel Keaton is able to to get off uh, whatever run he's on, uh, he, he is in a slump right now, and I think it's because he's been a little banged up, and I also don't think he has any confidence right now. Uh, but if, if he can get going – None of those guys need to have five touchdowns in this football game for, for Tennessee to win. They, they just need them. Tennessee needs them to step up and, and make the plays when their number is is called. And Josh Heupel's talked about it this week. He, he said it a million times as Tennessee's head football coach, doing the ordinary at an extremely high level. That That's all Tennessee needs Tennessee's receivers to be on Saturday, and that goes for Joe as well. I, I don't mean to start with the receivers. I, I've been fairly critical about Joe this week. I, I don't think he's played well the, the last two football games. I think he's gotten worse as, as the season has progressed, and, and maybe that's the, the wrong way to, to term it, but uh, the, the arrow is not pointing up on Joe right now. It, it's pointing down because of how his last couple of SEC performances have gone. I thought AM was by far his worst performance of the season. Uh, he, he's missing in that particular game. He, he was missing open receivers out in the flat uh, in the intermediate level, uh, pushing the football down the field and, and the double and triple coverage obviously had the interception, uh, lacked awareness in a couple of situations, running out of bounds on the free play short of the sticks. Uh, I, I think the run where he lowered his shoulder and, and ran over the A&M defender, that was a great play Joe made. There, there's no bones about that, but, the lack of awareness to still a Butch Jones phrase and snap and clear after that. I don't think he did a good job of that. I think he was still too emotional, too hyped up from that run. And that led to him throwing the interception in the end zone on the very next play. Joe has to be better in this football game in order for Tennessee to win on Saturday. He doesn't need to be Hendon hooker of last season. They, they just need him to be efficient and turnover free and allow the the running game to go to work and allow the defense, especially the front seven, to do the rest of the work for you. And honestly, 
I will let the special teams cook as well. You know, Jackson Ross has been a game changer the last couple of games. Uh, D. Williams, we obviously know, is a, a game changer as well as a, a punt returner. Uh, Mike Eckler's return units uh, are, are always real strong and, and sturdy. Let let them affect the game as well. Joe doesn't need to be Superman in this game. Just be efficient, stay within yourself, and uh, if he does that, Tennessee's going to have a great chance of winning. Yeah, where I get the push and pull on this game, at least in my own head, and I imagine it's got to be something maybe subconsciously in Heupel's mind. For all I know, it might be at the front of his mind. But everything about Josh Heupel as a coach is aggressive. And I like that. I really, really like that. I think Tennessee, frankly, needed that. I really think Tennessee, the football program, needed that 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 boost of confidence and, and that that ability to kind of stop being afraid of your own shadow, stop being afraid of other people. Don't worry. Don't spend too much time worrying about what people can do to you to hurt you. Worry about how you can hurt other people. And that's how he looks at football. He looks at it more from how how can I hurt you, not how can you hurt me. He has to look at both ways, but I think his default stance is aggressive. But I think this is one of those games that you have to not lose before you win. Don't go out there and give this thing away. That doesn't mean you go out there and play conservative. That doesn't mean that you go in there and just kind of go student body left, student body right, you know, change, flip the field, do all those things. You still want to be aggressive. You still want to take the fight to them because if you get up on Alabama, you might make that offense in that stadium very, very uncomfortable. So by all means, go out there and play your game, but not at the expense of doing dumb stuff. When you have three points, take them. You know, when you have, if it's third and seven and you have two choices, you can either throw the ball into double coverage or you can sail the ball out of bounds and punt it and live for another series. Punt, throw the ball out of bounds, punt it, live for another series. Do not go give this game away because if you play Alabama honestly straight up for 60 minutes, you might be the better football team. You might not be, but you might if you go out there and just play an honest, clean football game, you might be better than Alabama. So in that situation, don't give them the game. Don't 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 throw a pick six. Don't have a miscommunication where the you know the quarterback's eyes are in the wrong place on a read and the ball comes out, spits out, and you know Dallas Turner picks it up and goes fifty yards for a touchdown. You know don't don't be doing that kind of stuff. If you make mistakes, you make them. But I think Ben, I think you have to be if you're cautious, but kind of. That's where I'm confused on this a little bit because I think you have to take the fight to them because that's what Hypo wants to do. But I also think you don't 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 go giving this game away because it might be there if you don't give it away. Well, there there's a difference between being aggressive and and being stupid. Uh, I I think Josh Heupel, uh is a very aggressive football coach and does it responsibly. There there have been very few times in which he has been too aggressive uh just for instance this past football game when, when he went forward on that fourth and seven and instead of kicking the field goal probably should have kicked the field goal there just for the simple fact of try to tie the football game in, in that moment we, we've rarely seen him do something like that whereas lane kiffin i don't think he is a stupid football coach he, he is a, a very very smart football coach he, he, he is terrific one of the best offensive minds uh, it, both at the college level and the NFL level, quite frankly, uh, it, just in terms of offensive football and play calling. But he can be stupid 
with how aggressive he is at times. He, he is he he's not aggre- aggressive. He's reckless. Yeah. He's recklessly aggressive, and there's a fine line between the two. And I, I think Josh Heupel, for the most part, does a really really good job of of walking the line of of being aggressive but not being reckless. And, and I think you have to continue to have that mindset uh, in this football game. And uh, I, I'm very interested to see how this game plays out. Um, but by the time this podcast comes out, uh, our game picks have, have already been released. And uh, I am picking Alabama in this football game at this moment that we're recording. I haven't decided on what a final score will be, but I, I think it, it'll be like a five to 10 point ish win for Alabama. Uh, probably in, in the 20s. I, I think it's going to be very low scoring like it was last week against Texas A&M. Maybe, maybe a couple more points for, for both sides, uh, even A&M. We, we talked about how I thought it was a low scoring game last week. It, it was even more low scoring than what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know it's going to be 20 to 13. I think both teams are probably going to be somewhere in the 20s and Bama ends up winning by, by 5 or 10 or something along those lines. But the point that I'm getting to is that although – I believe Alabama probably wins this football game. Tennessee absolutely has a a chance to win. That there is a a path to victory. You can see the path to victory. Uh, Tennessee has gotten better defensively. Tennessee has gotten better at running the football. And Alabama still very good. Still one of the best teams in the country. They've taken a small step back to to where the gap between the two teams. It's not what it was two years ago when Tennessee went to Tuscaloosa, and I I've been to every Tennessee Alabama game since 2013, and I'm not saying that to like brag on a streak or something because in the grand scheme of things, I know there's a ton of people who have been to this game consecutively a lot longer than that. Probably yourself, Wes. When's the last Tennessee Alabama game you missed? Well, I guess 2021 because of all the COVID restrictions. Uh, aside and how many aside from box. aside from COVID, you're talking, I guess, the national title year for Tennessee may have been the last time I missed the Tennessee Alabama game. I right. had a, I, and, I was I was a kid and I had a baseball I had a high school like a fall baseball classic or one of those event type deals that I that I had to go that I was playing in, so I didn't go to the game. But that that would probably be the last time I remember not being in one of these. And at that point in time Tennessee had a legitimate shot to to win every single year and they were the favorites practically every single year because Alabama was going through it at, at that time whereas for me 2013 my first Tennessee Alabama game that was Butch's first year that was my first year out of high school I, I graduated in May of 13 and went in October in 13 to Tuscaloosa and I think the final score was 45 to 3 or, or something along those lines and every year practically until last year outside of 2015 it was Tennessee getting their brains beat into the ground and that by, by a that's not the same situation team, by a superior team yeah yes by a superior team and Alabama's still really good but Tennessee has gotten a lot better and Alabama's taking a small step back so uh, Alabama's probably the, the better overall football team and again I, I think that they're probably going to win a, a, a closest football game on, on Saturday but Tennessee absolutely has a path to victory that you can you can see for yourself. But can Joe Milton in this passing game, I think it, it gets back to that. Can can they go out and, and make enough plays, assuming the running game shows up and, and the defense shows up the way that we think it will? Yeah, the the fear factor should be gone. Uh with the and even if the even if Alabama had won that game in a in a close way, let's say maybe Bama makes its field goal at the end and then Tennessee can't rally or the game goes to overtime, Bama wins, whatever. 
let's say Bama wins that game by three or by by four points or whatever. At, at that point, still watching Alabama on tape this season, if you're Tennessee, you should not be afraid of that team. You should not be. Now, now you should respect that team. And if you're Tennessee, you got to stop getting out of your own way when you're on the road, regardless of who you're playing on the road. So that's something Tennessee's got to get over no matter who it is. But in terms of just the physical team itself, Alabama's good. Alabama's probably got a little more talent than Tennessee, but it's not apples and oranges. Like, like these are both apples, man. Like, the, these teams are fairly comparable to each other. And Alabama has as many holes, I think, as Tennessee does. So if this game were in Neyland, I'm picking Tennessee to win it. But this game is in Tuscaloosa, so I'm picking Alabama to win it because I think Alabama's probably just a little bit better. And I think Tennessee, until proven otherwise, pees all over itself on the road. So that that trend's got to stop. But what what I see this game, before we go to break, Ben, what I, what I see with this game is a game where I do not trust either one of these offenses to sustain success for 60 minutes against either one of these defenses. Unless something weird happens, I just don't see that as a possibility. Like, it, it's plausible, I guess. It's possible. I don't see it as likely. So to me, what it comes down to is two things. Who's making more splash plays? And who's taking care of the football? Because you turn the ball over, that could be the difference in this game. Uh, you're a little better in the red zone, that could be the difference in this game. You take the top off on a 50 or 60-yard play, that could be the difference in this game. Which of these teams do I trust more to do that? I trust Alabama to do that a little bit more than I trust Tennessee to do that right now. I trust Jalen Milrow a little bit more than I trust Joe Milton to do that right now. And this game's in Tuscaloosa. So that's my entire reasoning for the pick. But he, is either team blowing out the other one would surprise me. Uh, it would shock me if Tennessee went down there and blew out Alabama. But it would also surprise me, not to that extent, but it would surprise me if if Alabama just ran away from Tennessee and blew them out of this game. I, I don't see that famous last words, but I don't see that as the most likely thing here. I think you're looking at kind of a nip and tuck kind of deal here. I just trust Bama to be a little bit more efficient there. Yeah, I, I do as well. I, I just, I simply don't trust Joe Milton. I, 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 I don't trust don't the passing how. game in general. It's not just Milton. I don't trust the passing game. Yes, I, I, I recognize that. Like, it, it, it's not 100% Joe Milton. Um, but I, I just think you just, to have a simple conversation, I, I think you have to have really strong quarterback play to beat Alabama. We've seen that during Nick, Sab- Nick Saban's run there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, and yes, you've gotten a lot of Superman performances, but you, you don't need Joe to to be Superman. J- just go be efficient and, and turnover free, like I spoke about earlier. Um, but I, I I said this on the Thursday podcast, like the last Tennessee quarterback to win down there had some stuff to him, and, and Casey Clawson, the the Ice Man, and I I think Joe has some stuff to him. We we saw it against A and M, talking to to A and M defenders after he bulldozed them. He he has a swagger. Uh, he has a level of confidence. I I just don't believe that he harnesses it very well, uh, at least to this point in big football games. Outside of Clemson, he he did play well in that. Uh, he he hasn't necessarily shown it of late. I guess you could say so. Uh, I I think you just really need strong quarterback play. And and as I mentioned earlier, I, I think Joe is is trending down more than he is up. And maybe he goes out and has the game of his life on Saturday and makes me look like a fool, but. Just how the Carolina game win and the A&M game win, I, I don't think things are trending in the right direction. But you're right, Wes. They, they need receivers to, to step up. It's not 100% Joe Milton's fault. Uh, 
that the passing game has not clicked this season. Ramel Keaton continues to drop passes. That has to change. Uh, Dante Thornton has has not been able to to stay healthy, uh, which means he has not been able to practice. And when you don't practice, especially you can't your first, get better. especially your first year in the system, right? And, and it, I mean, it goes back to the spring. He, he struggled to to stay on the field during spring. Struggled to stay on the field uh, during the fall during fall practice, and uh, it, it's led to him not be not being what Tennessee fans thought he would be uh, when he committed to Tennessee. I like where Squirrel White is at. Uh, I like what Chaz Nimrod did against A&M, but they do need some guys on the perimeter to step up and, and make a play for their quarterback and, and help him out and help build some confidence. So uh, they, they need they need that to – they don't need to be what they were last year. They, they just need to make a, enough plays on Saturday, again, uh, to complement the running game and, and complement uh, Tennessee's defensive front that, that I think is going to take advantage of uh, an Alabama offensive line that is not a vintage Alabama offensive line. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say is that I, I think it's no coincidence that the past two games have been Milton's worst games probably or or they've been trending the wrong way because for six six plus, you know, nearly seven of those eight quarters, he hasn't had Brew McCoy. And, and I think that the, Brew McCoy's value to this team was so much greater than the numbers even said they were because of all the things he does and just a security feeling that you kind of have when he's out there and uh that's not there anymore but you know what he ain't coming back he ain't coming back right you got to go with what you got and you got to step up and joe milton at some point you know you, the, the guys around you need to play better that needs to be acknowledged everything about that passing game could be better at the end of the day you're the one with the ball in your hand every play you're the, you're the quarterback and you got to elevate them you got to get the most out of them. You you got to practice what you preach. You got to take care of the ball. You got to do your job, and, and you got to that that makes you a little bit more believable when you're trying to push other guys to do the same. You got to be better yourself, and then try to drag them along with you. At some point this season, if Tennessee's going to compete for a championship, Joe Milton's got to go win some football games. Uh, you hate to put it that way, but he's got to go win some football games at some point. He's got to say, you know what, guys, I can manage this thing for most of it, but there's a couple plays I'm going to go make them. And I'm going to go be the difference in this game. That's kind of the way football is these days. But we shall see. You got anything else before we go to break, man? Before we go, take uh, take our, our uh, take our, our new friend Cody for a spin. Uh, n- not too much. Uh, I, I did not mean to be as negative uh, around Joe Milton as I ended up being. The results are what they offense. are. The results are what they are. Yeah, it it is. But uh, Tennessee again has a a, a really great chance of. Maybe not a really great chance, but a, a, a really solid chance of, of going down to Tuscaloosa and winning this football game because of, of how it's been running the football and uh, with the way the defense has, has been playing. I, I really like where they're at there. And, and I, again, I think Alabama is flawed by Alabama standards, and uh, the, there are absolutely plenty of things that uh, Tennessee can take advantage of. And, and Tennessee has a very good coaching staff, and, and I would not at all be surprised if, if they're able to – scheme some things up both offensively and, and defensively uh, to take advantage of those Alabama flaws and come back to, to Knoxville with a win in Tuscaloosa that uh, I know they've stacked a lot of program-changing wins, I, I guess you could say. Uh, I, I think a, a win this weekend in Tuscaloosa, I, I, I think that would – maybe not program-changing, but it would be one hell of a building block for this program. Yes, it would. And I, I guarantee you Hypo's going to scheme up a couple of open plays – um, because he just does that every week, and 
you got to hit them, and then you got to play defense the way you have been. You got to run the ball and uh, take your chances. Do not lose this game before you go win it. That would be my advice. Go out there and play this game honest, play it clean, and you should be right there at the end of it. But let's go see what our new friend, uh, our good friend, but new friend, new good friend, Cody Goodwin from Bama 24-7 has to say about things. We'll step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here with our new friend, Cody Goodwin, on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio for now will be in Tuscaloosa by the time probably that you hear this podcast. Joined by Ben McKee, who also right now, as we're recording this, is in Knoxville and will be in Tuscaloosa by the time you are hearing this. And in just a second, we're going to go to our good friend, new friend, but good friend. I can already tell Cody Cody Goodwin from Bama 24-7 is going to be a good friend. And if he's not, then we'll just act like we never met him and we'll just move on with our lives and you know we'll never admit a mistake and we'll just act like he, he was never there in the first place. Uh, before we get into all that, though, just a quick request from our end, guys. Please go in there and take a minute out of your day. Go rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're already listening right there at GoBalls247.com, there is nothing wrong with that. There is no wrong way to consume this podcast. Helps us out a lot more, though, if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. No complaints, labor of love. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Text your friends. If you're one of those people who actually has contact with humans in this day and age, uh, go tell them in person. Tell people that you see around town. Tell people you see uh, at the grocery store, at the gym if you're getting swole, um, at the grocery store if you're not getting swole and you're getting fat, uh, if you're going to church, if you're around town walking your dog. Anywhere that you see someone wearing orange, please tell them about this podcast. That's how we've grown it at the rate we have. If you're already doing that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Back to business, guys. Uh, Tennessee and Alabama face each other Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. local time there in Tuscaloosa on CBS. Uh, it'll be perhaps the, the the last time Tennessee goes to, to Bryant-Denny Stadium for a, a few years. God knows at this point. It'll be, uh, 
You know, the last time it's on CBS, certainly for a long time after the new uh, contract goes into effect next week. But we'll get to hear that beautiful jingle. We'll get to see Tennessee and Alabama play as they have every year since 1928, I believe, except for one year during World War II. Third Saturday in October, one of the best rivalries in all of college football. Really excited to talk with our good friend here about it. I'm already saying good friend because he's going to be a good friend. Cody Goodwin, who covers Bama from Bama 24-7. Cody, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I think you guys uh, mentioned that you'll only talk badly about me behind my back. So I think we're in, in line for a good conversation on the pod today. We are. We are. We uh, we 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 talk behind your back like we'll record another segment of this podcast and, and it'll be the first segment. But we're recording this one before we do that one, because that's just how it is this week. So if we don't like you, we will wait and then talk really horribly about you in the first segment. And then I'll edit out the things that we said that were nice just then. And then we'll be like, here's this conversation with this a-hole. And uh, that's that's how we'll do it. But Cody, obviously, from the from the. Uh, we can tell by the accent that you, you, you ain't from around here. You are a guy who has airdropped in to cover Alabama. You've done a great job covering other conferences. Give us a little bit of background on your history and how you got to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I so I've spent the last decade of my life in the state of Iowa. Um, somehow managed to escape and get down to Tuscaloosa just ahead of this football season. Um, but I worked for the Des Moines Register um, where I previously covered wrestling. So you know, the, the amateur wrestling, collegiate wrestling, um, not the, not the scripted stuff, which I know there's a lot of people that are fans of that. Not John not, Cena. Not, for not me. John Cena. Yeah. Not for me. Um, more the, you know, like NCAA wrestling championships, Olympic style wrestling, that sort of stuff. So I did that for the better part of a decade. Um, opportunity, uh, popped up to join, uh, you know, John Talty, Mike Rodak down here on the Alabama beat for two, four, seven, after there was just some movement, right. Bam online moved out to on three and, yep. Formed a new team, Bama 247. So um guess I nailed the interview because here we are now down in Tuscaloosa, seven games into the 23 season. It's been it's been entertaining so far. I'll say that much. Cody, that, that's what I was kind of going to ask you about. Uh, you you started to touch on it there. Just but what's it like been moving down to the south and uh being in the thick of of SEC football? I, I know that Iowa, uh, the University of Iowa and Iowa State for that matter. Uh, take their athletics very serious as well. So not to minimize that, but uh, it, it it can be a different ball game here in the South. Have you been able to experience that? What's the move been like and uh, how excited are you to cover your first third Saturday in October? Yeah, it's um so like I back even before I got to Iowa, I grew up Kansas City um, on the Missouri side. Um, smack between like Kansas and Missouri. So like I grew up a Tigers fan um, back when they were like predominantly in the big 12. I don't know that they moved to the sec until I was in school. So big 10, big 12, that's just kind of what I watched. And, you know, for a while it was a lot of really, really good football. Like I want to say the 2007 season, like Missouri, Kansas, like that game at Arrowhead stadium in Kansas city, like that was number two versus number four. Um, Mizzou was ranked number one after they got the win. And then, you know, they couldn't ever beat Oklahoma for whatever reason. So that just knocked them out of the BCS chase that season. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it was really, you know, kind of the rise of like Florida and then Alabama obviously took off. And then we've seen LSU have some really good teams and Tennessee's obviously been in that mix for years. Like growing up in Big Ten and Big 12 country, I guess at the time that I did, I always kind of viewed the SEC as like they're the kings of college football. Like they're just they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger than any, you know, team that we grew up watching on a pretty regular basis. And so to be down here 
like covering it up close has been a lot of fun. Like we're not covering, you know, the, you know, I guess the, the joyless murder ball Alabama teams, like they're a very entertaining team. And we'll get into that here as we talk more about this game, but just like being down here, it's similar to being in Iowa because like Iowa didn't have any pro teams. Right. So it's people kind of live and die by the Hawkeyes and Cyclones up there. And it's kind of similar being down here, just everything I've kind of seen and everything I've watched so far, like Alabama is the team here. Um, you know, I'm sure it's it's very similar in Knoxville, right? You guys have the volunteers. I know that like the Titans are there and, you know, the Grizzlies are on the other side of the state, but like, you know, volunteers are kind of the program there. Same thing in the state of Mississippi. Like we went to Starkville earlier. We watched Alabama play Ole Miss. Um, you know, Georgia's obviously been very, very good the last few years. We went to College Station, Kyle Field, like that was a lot of fun, just like getting to experience that. The game was kind of weird, but that's kind of been Alabama's MO this year. But I man, I've I've had a lot of fun. It's been really cool just being down here and experience everything up close. Um, you know, and of all the seasons to be down here, like finally covering, you know, high level college football, like it's been a lot, like it's been crazy because there's just are there any good teams this year? Like I don't know if there's any like really really good teams across the board this season. No and maybe we'll teams. figure that out over the next month. But yeah, no um, teams. Yeah, like it's I I don't know. It's just it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, and this you know maybe you know obviously this game is probably going to add to that this weekend. Yeah, it's funny that that you you leave the Big Ten West and then the Big Ten West seems to follow you because. If you look at like some of these Alabama games, some of these Tennessee games this season, like the 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 Hendon Hooker and you know Bryce Young, you know out you know dueling each other to a hundred plus point game, and all, all these kind of barn burners that we've seen the past few years, and, and now it's like back to like cavemen throwing rocks at each other a little bit, and, and so it's 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 different. And I wonder, looking at Alabama this season. I know that obviously, you know, everyone who knows anything about college football watches Alabama. We know this, right? Like they're a team that even if you don't watch a lot of SEC during the season, if you're a college football fan, you're going to catch them a couple times and then you're going to see them play in the playoff because everybody watches the playoff. So everyone, to at least a certain extent, is familiar with, with Alabama. They've been one of those programs. But I'm wondering, looking at that team this season, is it as simple as saying this is the first time since 2016 that Alabama hasn't had like a rock solid NFL starting quarterback running the show, or is it more than that? Because I, I I go back and forth. Like I know there's some other issues on that offense, but you know when you've had the quarterbacks they've had recently, those guys, you know, make up for that. And, and this season, Milrow's been fine, but he's not been that. Yeah, no, there's a lot of truth to that. Think about the last four quarterbacks that Alabama's had, right? Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mac Jones. Bryce Young, like all four of those dudes are starting quarterbacks in the NFL, um, at least right now. We'll see what happens with Mac in New England. Um, But like that's, you know, Jalen Milrow is not that like he is. He's not as polished as, say, Tua and Bryce Young were. He didn't have, you know, a Lane Kiffin and a Sark calling plays for him like Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones did. So like there's not that those things are working against him. It's just kind of the circumstance of the thing. Like it's just it's not the same dude throwing the ball back there. There's a lot of good things that Jalen Milrow has done. He's obviously got tremendous speed. He's got, I mean, he throws a great deep ball. And for the most part, he's really tamped down on a lot of the mistakes that kind of plagued him early in the year. And then, you know, when we saw him in bits and pieces last year, um, you know, like he, like against Texas A&M last year, like they, they won that game at home when Bryce Young was hurt with a shoulder injury. That was Milrow's first start. He, you know, threw three touchdown passes. He also turned the ball over three times. So outside of the Texas game where he threw two pretty bad picks, um, 
you know, he's done a really good job of taking care of the ball, which is kind of what's bolstered up his passer rating, which is one of the best in college football. And you wouldn't expect that seeing what you've seen from Alabama's offense, but the guy's been pretty good. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been elite. He's not in any sort of Heisman conversation, but you know, through seven games, he's got the second best passer rating in the SEC and a top 10 passer rating in the country. So you know, I think as long as he continues to take care of the ball, Alabama is going to like where they're at offensively. And then when you look at how good their defense has been, they don't need Milrow to do a whole lot. Like they don't need him to go out there and win games. They just need to make sure he goes out there and doesn't lose games, if that makes sense. What would you say the temperament of the fan base is, is right now? Where, where, where do you think they're at both with Jalen Milrow? Because obviously they wanted to see Tyler Buckner and, and Ty Simpson. Uh, I have... Uh, I went to high school in Huntsville in, in North Alabama, so I, I have a ton of buddies uh, that, that went to college at Alabama, and, and they were texting me saying that they want to see the true freshman, uh, the, the big recruit that just came in. So have they kind of settled on, on wanting to see everybody else outside of Jalen Milrow once they got their shot at USF? So where are the fans at with Jalen Milrow, and then where are they at with the team overall? I, I'm sure there's a lot of discontent. But right now they're they're on pace to be a, a one loss football team that makes the college football playoffs. I think that well, we could talk about that. I think there's there's currently the other four conferences, you know, are on pace to have four undefeated conference champs, which means if Bama wins the SEC, you could leave the SEC out of the playoff. We could touch on that later. But um fan base with regards to Milrow, I think they they're they're mostly happy. Like, I, you know, I think there's there's a lot of people that were kind of like, you know, he needs to go play running back. He needs to go out and play receiver like he's not a quarterback. Um, and then the USF game happened South Florida in week three, which was just an atrocious oh, thing yeah. to watch, um, you know, in part because Alabama's offensive line has just been all sorts of leaky and just not very consistently good, like not even great. Like they just haven't been good on a regular basis this season. Um, so like. Saban basically used that game to be like, all right, let's play the other two quarterbacks, Ty, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, to just kind of see what they have. Um, it was awful. It was so bad. Um, you know, like I, Buckner just doesn't look like he had a grasp of the offense whatsoever, which makes sense because he didn't get there till the summertime. He had transferred from Notre Dame and things just weren't working out. Um, Ty Simpson, I think there's a world where Ty Simpson could be the quarterback of this team if the offensive line was better. Um, that poor dude took five sacks in that South Florida game. And I don't know that he saw a single one of them come in, give him credit. He stood in the pocket, continued to try and operate the offense. And ultimately Alabama is bigger, faster, stronger than South Florida. So they won that game 17 to three. But, um, you know, I think just given the personnel and the way that they've played so far, like Milrow, it gives them the best chance to win behind center. And I think the fan base is finally on board with that, you know, that offensive line's not great, but Milrow, the combination of his speed, the combination of his arm strength, um, just gives them the best chance to, you know, make something out of nothing. If something like that happens, play to play, um, you know, but then also like just the way that he's been playing, like, I think the fan base is really starting to come around to, you know, him being the guy. I don't know that they know. I don't know if any of us know that if Milrow can be the guy that takes Alabama where they ultimately want to go this season, but, um, you know, he, he's certainly to the point where he's just, he's not going to lose games. And then I think with more experience, the the overall floor of the offense kind of goes up because he's just, he's, he's processing a lot quicker. He's playing a lot quicker. He's making better decisions a lot quicker. Um, and that's just going to help the whole operation. As far as the fan base overall, the word I keep coming back to is anxious. Um, you know, cause you consider they lost to Texas in week two. That's a really good Texas team who then in turn lost to a really good Oklahoma team weird college football season but 
that loss means you have to go through the SEC schedule unscathed. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do. I don't care how good you are. Every single week, SEC is just, that's tough game, right? So, you know, the fact that they already had a loss before then, like, you know, you kind of, the the small margin for error that already existed with this team is basically non-existent now. And so they're just, they're anxious, they're on edge. Um, you know, you combine the fact that, you know, this is a fan base and a program that routinely contends and competes for SEC and national titles. One more loss probably knocks them out of the college football playoff, right? No two loss team has ever made the college football playoff. Um, and they're probably going to have to run the table and even then still probably get a little bit of help, right? In order to, you know, win an SEC title, they're probably going to have to get through Georgia. That's even if they're able to get through the regular season unscathed. Um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fans that are just kind of like, you know, they're on the edge of their seat every single Saturday, which has been entertaining, but it's also definitely something that they're not used to, right? They're used to that joyless murder ball where they just win 40 to seven every single week. And that's just not what this team is. Yeah. It's interesting that, that I think about, you know, the, the Tennessee fans who for a couple of years had Hendon Hooker and that high flying offense. And, you know, just in that small time, the, the shock value that they've gone through this season for the first six games with Tennessee trying to figure out some things offensively and the frustration and, oh, God, play Nico, this is not going to work, yada, yada. Take that, multiply it by about a factor of 10, and you have probably what Alabama fans have been going through watching this team compared to what they've been used to for a long period of time. And, again, no one outside the state of Alabama is crying for them because it's like – you know, you, most programs are fortunate to win, you know, one natty like in a generation, and they've had several. So no one's crying for them, especially in this league. But it is it is different. And it, in a weird way, though, I kind of think, you know, Nick Saban doesn't hate it necessarily. I think this is the gotten kind of back to the kind of football. I remember when, when Manziel and that, that hurry-up stuff was coming into, into the league and he had so many times where he was like, is this what we want football to be? Is this what we want football to be? And he's like, okay, if that's what you want to do, I'll do it. And then because he's saving, he did it better than anybody. Um, but now they're kind of getting back to that, let's let's throw some rocks at each other and see where this thing goes. And I don't know. It's interesting because there are no complete teams out there that I think any of us can see. But it is fascinating because I don't think any of us have any idea what the hell is going to happen in this league. Yeah. Like there's, I, I was talking with, you know, Mike Rodak, who also writes at Bama 247. We were talking on our show earlier today, just like, you know, we'll, we'll walk into Brian Denny on Saturday. There's a very reasonable path for Alabama to win that game. There's also a very reasonable path that Tennessee could win that game. And neither of them would really surprise us. So it's like, we're going to walk in and they're going to kick off and we don't really know what's going to happen. And Part of that, like, you know, for us in our job, like, that's kind of fun that we just aren't really sure. Oh, it's you know? great and for us. Yeah. Whereas, like, fans are like, no, like, we want 40 to zero. We want a complete and total ass kicking. And they just, they're not getting that this year. And that's, you know, I think Saban has said multiple times, too, that, like, he really likes this team. It's a different type of team. They gel really well together. Um, and he likes that there has been steady growth every single week, right? Like they're used to, I mean, you nailed it. Like how many season openers Alabama versus another team that's like a contender or on the fringe of a contender and Bama runs them off the field, 49, 13, right? Yep. Like that's just, you know, Hey, Alabama's here. They're, they're loud. They're proud. They're mean, they're big. And that's just, you're going to have to deal with it for the rest of the year. 
You know, they blew Middle Tennessee off the field, but then they lost to Texas by two scores. And ever since then, you know, they've made steady progress. They've they've had moments where they look good. They've had moments where they've even looked great. And they've also had moments where it's just like, what in the world are they trying to do out there? Like, we just can't figure it out on a regular basis. And so, you know, and even through all of that, they're six and one. All their goals are still in front of them for the most part. And, you know, everything they want to accomplish this season is still out there for the taking. And so that's that's kind of what makes it exciting is that we're really kind of seeing this team. And it's it's a fairly young team compared to, you know, teams that they've had in the past. But um, we're seeing them grow up in real time week to week, which has been I think Saban truly has enjoyed an aspect of that. How would you assess where Alabama's defense is at right now? Obviously, a lot of people talking about Jalen Milrow and. Uh, I, I know Bama fans are very upset with offensive line play and, and not being able to to run the football. So it's kind of overshadowed one of the better defenses in the country. Just uh, how, how would you assess the Alabama defense? And obviously everybody's going to be talking about them needing to slow down uh, Tennessee's running game on Saturday. Do, do you think that's pretty much the, the primary key uh, to Alabama's defense having success? Or are you looking at something else? The defense has been fantastic. Like I, the last couple weeks, like I, they, that's a championship caliber defense, just the way that they played the, what, you know, they just consistently put really good behavior on tape. Like they, you know, I, they don't have any glaring weaknesses. Um, you know, I know Sark found a way to, you know, with his motion, motion-based matchup in the loss against Texas, like he just, he found ways to, you know, pick on the secondary a little bit and, more specifically, when you go back and watch the game, they picked on true freshman Caleb Downs, who, you know, he's the starting safety um, freshman out of uh, Mill Creek in Georgia. Um, since then, I mean, Caleb Downs has really started to look like the blue chipper that he was billed to be coming out of high school. And he's he's been fantastic. You look at the defense, they've got, obviously, you, any Alabama defense under Saban, you start with the pass rush, right? So you got Dallas Turner on one side, Chris Braswell on the other. Like, they lost Will Anderson last year, the number three overall pick in the NFL draft. And the pass rush, you could argue, is better. Like it's a little, it's a little frightening. Now, the the obviously you start with the edge rushers, but like they're getting a lot of push up front too on the D line. Um, Tim Keenan in the middle, he's been a really happy surprise this year. Uber productive at nose guard. Justin Avoigby's back healthy this year. He's been great. Jaheim Otis is a guy that causes a lot of problems. He played nose last year. They kicked him out to defensive end this year. Um, and then you've got a lot of really good rotational guys coming in off the bench that are, you know, giving productive snaps every single game. They have two really good interior middle linebackers, Deontay Lawson and Tresman Marshall. They both play fast. They hit hard. They can do a lot of different things. And then I would argue even the secondary is probably the best part of the defense. Like you got Kool-Aid McKinstry, who's going to be a first round NFL draft pick at one corner. Terry and Arnold's at another corner. He's a future star um, at cornerback. Um, mentioned Caleb Downs, true freshman at safety. Um, you know, Malachi Moore, Jalen Key also playing the safety in the star positions. Like there's just, there's not a glaring weakness. It's a really, really good defense. They play the run well. They play the pass well. Um, you know, and it's funny, like you're talking, like what are the keys to this game? Like, you know, I, yeah, I, th I think it is, you know, can Alabama's defense continue to stop the run against Tennessee, who's one of the best rushing offenses in the country, right? And I think they proved that last week against Texas A&M. That's a really good Texas A&M defense, specifically the defensive front, right? Um, that defensive front held Alabama to 23 yards rushing. That I think they had only been allowing like 2.7 yards per carry. And then the volunteers gash him for 232 yards at like five yards a pop. Like, it's just, you know, this is what the Vols are good at. This is what they're going to do. And it's on Alabama to pretty much stop it. I made the case earlier that like, 
Alabama's defense, if they're as good as we believe they are and what they've shown to be, trust your secondary and do everything you freaking can to stop the run, man. Like make make Joe Milton beat you. And if he does, I think you live with it. Right. So that's 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 the matchup. I think that's going to be most intriguing to me. Can Alabama's defense, which has been very good all year, especially against the run, can they stop Tennessee's rushing attack that? Yeah, that to me, um, you know, I don't know if it's the biggest matchup, but it's definitely one of the big matchups on Saturday. The thing for me in that Texas Alabama game, I remember just being shocked. I mean, we I'd seen Alabama lose some games in recent years, right? Everybody bleeds occasionally, right? But I had not seen Alabama just sort of beaten physically up front the way Texas beat Alabama physically up front. And I got to think that message was one that Saban hammered home to the team and since then I do think they've been a little bit better up front you know they, they've been winning more battles than they've been losing at the line of scrimmage and this will be a really good battle in that way because Tennessee uh, is is solid up front offensively very 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 good up front defensively I think it's going to be a fun matchup but what I'm wondering is and I know you know Cody that you've just sort of recently gotten yourself settled into Tuscaloosa so it, it might not be fair to ask a question like this but you know, this has always been such a great rivalry. It's also been a rivalry of streaks, and, and Alabama had won 15 consecutive games, which is crazy to think about with these two programs historically, like, right, two of the 10 winningest programs in history. But one of them beat the other one like a drum for 15 years, and only a couple of those games were close. And last season, Tennessee upends that. And I'm wondering if A, for the fans, and B, for the team, if that's something – I know they're so – you know, like-minded about the process and one thing in front of you and yada, yada, yada. I have to think that kind of sticks in the backside a little bit, right? Like they got to be a little bit frustrated about that loss last season. Oh, hundred percent. Like the players have talked about it. Like I, they've been getting cigar questions all week, you know, cause it was the first time in how long that they weren't smoking cigars at the end of the game. Um, you know, and then even Saban had something to say earlier. He does a weekly hit with Pat McAfee, which, mm-hmm. you know, some people might roll their eyes at, but give Pat credit. Like sometimes he's able to pull some things out of Saban. And, yeah. and he basically said something to the effect that, like, yeah, like it's okay to be pissed off about how last year's result went and to want to use that emotion and that energy and channel it into productive play and execution on Saturday. Like, I mean, these players have been hearing it for, you know, probably the better part of a year. Um, me being down here, I'm still very new to a lot of these SEC rivalries and whatnot, but like this week, especially like I have been hearing all week, just from the Alabama press corps, just from the questions that have been asked from listening to Saban talk all week, like this is an important game for Alabama. Um, you know, and we asked our board at two, you know, Bama two, four, seven, like early in the season, because the SEC schedule is getting ready to, you know, change a little bit. And we're not sure if this rivalry is going to be played, you know, immediately into the future, um, you know, which games do you guys want to keep on the schedule? And a lot of them, you know, LOL said Mississippi State, right? Because yeah. Alabama just, just doesn't like, lose to Mississippi ten, Yeah, State. Tennessee wants to play Vandy every year too, yeah. Yeah, right? But a lot of them were like, we want to keep Tennessee on the schedule. Like, and part of that could be the winning streak of recent years, right? But I think a lot of them like deeply care about this rivalry. It's obviously entrenched in the culture at both programs within both states. Like there's a little bit of a pride factor there of like, yeah, like we, we want to play Tennessee every year. We want to keep this rivalry alive. Like there's a lot of people that were like, we'd rather play Tennessee than Auburn every year. Like that's how match it means to people here. And that's, I'm, it makes me more excited to get to see it up close. I know it's in Tuscaloosa and not Knoxville, but like I'm excited to just kind of feel the energy of the Brian Denny crowd and 
um, you know, whatever orange that braves, um, you know, the tailgate scene on Saturday morning. I'm excited to kind of see how they interact with everybody else, too. What does Alabama's offense need to do on Saturday? Uh, and I know that's a real simple question, aside from scoring points, obviously, but uh, what, what position groups need to, to really perform well on Saturday? And again, I know that's simple, but I, I'm asking because th- – there's a lot of question marks around this Alabama offense and I'm not really used to, to seeing this, right? Like I, I'm used to a, a future NFL running back toting the rock. Uh, I'm the, the Alabama offensive line is very talented. It, it just from the outside looking in, they seem very inexperienced, uh, especially over there at left tackle with Caden Proctor. I, I know they've had some issues with, with McLaughlin at center, especially snapping the ball. And uh, even this week I saw where, uh, Saban was asked about J.C. Latham and and, and playing right tackle. Uh, and then you look at receiver, and Jermaine Burton's really come on the last two games or so, but not the typical Bama receivers that that, that we're used to seeing. Uh, and first month of the year, sounded like the tight end was the, the primary go-to target. Just, just the, a weird Alabama offense that we're not really accustomed to, and, and it just seems like a lot of question marks all over that side of the ball. So aside from Jalen Milrow, what position group needs to play the best on Saturday for them to have success? Absolutely starts up front with the offensive line. Um, they, which is, it's it's weird to hear that Alabama's offensive line is having issues, but like they've really been having issues the last few years. I think just Bryce Young being Bryce Young last season masked a lot of that. Yep. Um, you know, but like, you know, they've allowed what? 31 sacks, um, fourth most in the country through seven weeks this season. A lot of them have been because of the offensive line, but a lot of them have also been because Jalen Milrow will sometimes leave clean pockets and get run down by the spy. Sometimes he'll try and step up in clean pockets when he doesn't need to, and he'll step into a sack. Sometimes the running backs who get held back in pass protection get blown up. Um, a lot of different issues when it comes to the sack problem for Alabama, but like the offensive line, like they've, they've got to play better. They've got talent there. Um, you know, we're, we're seven games in and, you know, it's they had to replace three starters from last year. So, like, you know, they talked in the preseason about plant being physical, being dominant, wanting to make people quit. And it's like, OK, that's exciting. But like, you know, two starters from last year's offensive line are in the NFL and the other one transferred to Miami. So, like, you got to replace three starting spots, um, you know, so they did. They, they plugged left guard with Tyler Booker, who for my money is, you know, probably one B in terms of who's been the best offensive lineman for Alabama this year. I think the other one's obviously J.C. Latham at right tackle. Um, but then they kicked Darian Dalcourt, who had been a center. They kicked him to guard. He struggled a little bit. Um, Seth McLaughlin, you mentioned him with the snap issue. That's just like weird. Um, and then obviously they've had freshmen rotating at left tackle um, between Caden Proctor and Elijah Pritchett. Um, you know, Pritchett's a redshirt freshman, didn't really get a ton of playing time last year. I know he was dealing with an injury. And then Caden Proctor's a true freshman straight out of Iowa, actually. Um so go. like they just, you know, they're kind of learning how to play left tackle in the SEC on the fly. Um, and that's just not a good way to live. Right. So like they're just, you know, I think what um, forget who it was. Uh, Arkansas had five sacks last week. All five of them were against both left tackles, you know, and two of those sacks came in the span of three plays in the second quarter. Like it's just it's not been great, um, you know, they've done some things over the course of the season, trying to help those guys out, you know putting an inline tight end next to them, um, running backs, helping out with chips. Um, You know, I'd like to maybe see them try and call more screen passes or try to, you know, focus on running the ball a little bit more, which is something that maybe 
Alabama could do this weekend to maybe keep the ball out of Tennessee's offensive hands, right? Kind of try and do what Florida did when it came to ball control and just try to hold the ball for as long as possible. Um, but yeah, like if the offensive line does not play well, um, you know, they've been able to overcome it against other teams this season. I think the most impressive showing might have been against Texas A&M, right? Because that's, that's a mean defensive front. And Alabama basically said, we're going to try and block for as long as possible and just go over the top and beat their secondary. I don't know if they can do that against Tennessee because I think their secondary is a little bit faster and a little bit more talented. Um, but that could be an option as well. I don't exactly know what the answer is. The offensive line issues are more a feature than they are fixable, I think, at this point in the season. But you know, if the offensive line doesn't play well, it's going to be a really long day for Alabama because um, I think they know exactly what they're getting um, in Tennessee's offense on the other side of the ball. So it'll be really intriguing to see what they do. Yeah, I think that 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 poor right tackle for Texas A&M probably, like I, I imagine him watching film this week, will be one of the most miserable experiences that anyone <laughs> has had in a while. Just watching. burn the tape. It's just, just burn the tape. <laughs> bad. I mean, Tennessee had 25 or 27 pressures, I think. And all but ten of them came with just the front four, like with no blitzing on the play. So, and it, that's after he had to deal with Dallas Turner yeah, the week prior. I mean, that kid <laughs> is going through it, man. That that kid's seen some things and some stuff, man. He's he's been he's been going through it. But I, I think that's the way that Alabama protected in that second half against A and M. It really looked like things took a step forward there because in the second half of that game, and of course then. You know, Arkansas the next week gets five sacks and there's some breakdowns late and okay. But like the second half against A&M, they really kind of stood tall and and held up a really good pass rush and were able to hit some plays. Because I still think Tennessee's secondary is better than it was last season and not just because it couldn't get worse because I think it's actually gotten better. Um, but I still think there's some spots there one-on-one in space that, that Alabama could, could win those matchups. So I think Tennessee's got to, got to win it up front. Do, do you have a sense of, you know, before we let you get out of here in just a few minutes, it, 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 what you've seen from Tennessee this season, what you've seen from Alabama we know Tennessee's past three road games have been pretty bad in terms of the offense. What it normally does, it kind of tailspins when it's been away from home lately. Uh, and Brian Denny's not usually a great place to go fix that, uh, historically speaking. But do you get a sense or a feel for this game one way or the other? I mean, I, I I'll be honest. I I'm picking. I've picked Alabama to to win the game because, in my mind, I don't trust either one of these offenses against either one of these defenses to sustain success for 60 minutes. So it comes down to who can make a couple more splash plays than the other team or take better care of the football. And I think especially at out at Tuscaloosa, I trust Bama a little bit more to do that. That's why I'm leaning that way. What kind of feel do you have for this game? No, I think, I think the game being in Tuscaloosa matters quite a bit. Um, you know, to be honest, like looking at the game, just – you know, looking at the stats on paper, like I was before I jumped on with you guys, I was watching, I was actually watching highlights of, of Tennessee A&M from last week and by God, what an ugly game that was. But, um, yeah, um, <laughs> it was, it was something, but no, I think there's, there's, I, you know, but I've, obviously things will change midway through the first quarter after we see both teams get the ball and try to, you know, figure out what they're trying to do. But I, there's a reasonable expectation. I think that both teams could try and employ a similar game plan, Right. Where it's, you know, stop the run, apply pressure on the quarterback. Um, and ultimately, I think the quarterback who takes care of the ball better and makes a few more splash plays like you were mentioning 
I mean, that could be the difference in the game. So it's a matter of do who do you trust more, Jalen Milrow or Joe Milton? Um, you guys would probably know a little bit more. I see your face there. You guys probably know a little bit more about Joe Milton than I do. Right now, um, Milrow. Right now, Milrow. Right. And so, like, you know, you combine, you know, on a neutral field, maybe you take Milrow in that particular scenario. Now you put that scenario in Brian Denny. Um, 28-20 Alabama sounds about right. Um, you know, like it could be one of those where it's like 28-13 and Tennessee scores late. Um, you know, we were talking this week about how, you know, I kicker Will Reichard, right, who for Alabama, he's made 26 consecutive field goals in a row. The last time he missed was last year against Tennessee, which Tennessee then turned into their own game-winning field goal to win that thriller. Um, this could be a game where if Milton makes a few extra plays, it could come down to a Will Reichard kick again. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately it's, you know, there's a lot of different scenarios that could play out on Saturday, but I think it may ultimately come down to the quarterbacks. And again, who takes care of the ball better and who makes a few more splash plays. And based on everything we've seen and everything I've heard, I, I, I think I'm with you guys. I think I'll take Milrow to do just enough for Alabama to, to eke out a win in this one. My last question is, is just about Alabama's pass and attack going up against Tennessee's pass defense uh, and more so the receivers versus the, the secondary, just your thoughts on, on where Alabama's receivers currently are. And, and how do you feel like Jalen Milrow has progressed the, the last couple of weeks. I, I know we kind of touched on them earlier in the segment, but uh, just from the outside looking in last week and, and only got to watch the first half before I had to head over to, to Neyland for the A&M game, uh, it, it seemed like a lot of Jalen's big plays in that one through the air were because of bus in the Arkansas secondary. Uh, so how, how have you seen him grow as a passer these last couple of weeks uh, since the, the USF debacle, if you want to call it that? Yeah, that was that was something. Um, no, Milrow's been good, man. He's, you know, Alabama has started to really lean into his strengths a little bit more. I know that, you know, one of his strengths, obviously, is just his natural foot speed. And, and A&M and Arkansas both, I think, did really well spying him. So, you know, not able to really get on the run a whole lot. You know, doing the math here, he he's only had 23 rushing yards the last couple of weeks. When you adjust for sacks before then he had about 275 rush yards. That was against Ole Miss Mississippi state. Um, he had a decent rushing game against Texas. He obviously had some electric plays against middle Tennessee in the first uh, week of the season. So, you know, Arkansas and AM did a really good job of just keeping him in the pocket, making him be more, a little bit more of a pocket passer. I would imagine that Tennessee's got the personnel at linebacker to probably do the same thing. I wouldn't surprise me at all to see Beasley just make sure that Milrow doesn't escape. Um, you know, but he's, you know, he's really developed the deep ball. Like he's been, he's been very, you know, that was one of the questions we had coming into this season. Like could Milrow hit the deep ball? Um, and this season he's been one of the best in the country at hitting the deep ball. I want to say he's completing like 60% of his passes where the ball travels 20 plus yards downfield. Um, you know, he's got north of 20 completions when the ball travels 20 plus yards downfield. Like he's just, he's, he's very accurate. He puts it in a place where his receivers can go make plays and, um, you know, the receivers, there's a lot of good receivers. There's not like a, there, there's not like a Julio Jones or an Amari Cooper in that receiver room right now, but there's, there's a lot of really good pieces like Jermaine Burton, Isaiah Bond, um, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks is a guy that's been dealing with injury on and off. So we haven't seen a ton of him, but he was one of the leading receivers last year. And, um, you know, they got a couple of young guys that I know they really like and Kobe Prentice and Jalen Hale. And then, you know, another thing to maybe keep an eye on this Saturday is, um, with Tommy Reese now at offensive coordinator, they brought him in from Notre Dame. Alabama's really leaned into multiple tight end sets. So 
that allows for a guy like Amari Nyblak, for example, you know, he's averaging almost 20 yards a catch. Um, he's, he's a big body receiver that is basically listed at tight end. You know, they line him up in line, they line him up in the slot, they line him up out wide. That's a guy that can do a lot of different things. Um, he's pretty dynamic as a pass catcher. He's a little bit too big for defensive backs and a little bit too fast for linebackers. So, um, you know, they've found ways to utilize him in the past game quite a bit. So, you know, there's a lot of good receiving weapons. Um, it's just a matter of can the offensive line protect and give Milrow enough time to get the ball out on time to those guys? Or, can, you know, if when they played AM and it was a lot of deep shots, can you protect well enough for the receivers to get down the field and for Milrow to throw it up for those guys to go make a play? And that game they did, um, you know, against Arkansas in the first half, it was a lot of secondary busts, like you mentioned, where, you know, Kobe Prentice and Amara Nyblack are running wide open downfield. And then in the second half, Arkansas made some adjustments and, you know, Milrow was a tad off on some of his throws a little bit. And, you know, he kind of paid for it, right? I think he started seven for 10, finished a, a three for 11 or something like that. He missed eight in a row at one point. So, I mean, the balls were all mostly in a position for the receivers to make plays and they just didn't. And that's, you know, that's life in the SEC. If you don't capitalize and step on the neck, the other team's going to come back and make it interesting. And that's what the hogs did last week. So, um, you know, he's been good. Like he's been really good. He's, he, he can be dynamic. And as long as he takes care of the football, he's, he's been pretty much exactly what Nick Saban wanted out of his quarterback this season. And that's to basically go out there and don't lose the game and let the defense do their thing. So, um, you know, I, I expect him to, you know, he's, he's, he's not Bryce young, uh, but he'll go out there and, you know, if you allow it, he will, he will make some dynamic plays, um, on Saturday. So we'll, 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 we'll see. I, I think Alabama is going to need him to make a few plays in order to win on Saturday. So. I agree with that. Um, I, I think both quarterbacks will, will need to do that. And the one who does that a little more and takes care of the ball better, I think that team will win. You could say that about a lot of games. I think it's really the case in this game when you look at the matchups in particular. But, Cody, man, we're really, really appreciative of all the time that you've given us. Please tell the good people how they can get a, a hold of you, how they can go to the site, the socials, all that stuff. Yeah, man, I'm I'm on Twitter or X or whatever the hell we're calling that nowadays, just at Cody Goodwin. Um, you know, you can read all our stuff at Bama 247, part of the 247 Sports Network. And then we got our own podcast. Uh, it's called Roll Pod because um, I don't know that they approved of Tide Pod. So uh, Roll Pod is our podcast. Um, just, Tide Pod you know, was such pod. a great name. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they went with Roll Pod. So, hey, I'm not going to I'm not going to fight it too much. But yeah, so that's, you know, Stitter, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, we even have our own YouTube page, Bama 247. So that's where we post a lot of interviews and all our podcasts every week. So, um, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun chatting some uh, Alabama-Tennessee football with you guys, and I'm excited for Saturday, man. It's going to be a really fun game. Yeah, uh, we are excited too. And, and I did want to—I wanted to call our podcast "School Vols 24/7's Big Old Damn Podcast," but I was—you uh, uh, know—we we just stuck generic, and it's it's worked for us. So, uh, Cody, man, really appreciate the time. We look forward to seeing you this weekend, and maybe we'll have a really fun game to talk about after. Fingers crossed, man. That's all we can hope for. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it, guys. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals 24-7. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals 24-7 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That, that is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.